of the Canby Christian Church podcast. We're glad you're joining us for this on Sunday episode. That's the episode where the pastors of the church get together in a dank basement on a Monday and talk about what happened on Sunday. I'm Cody. I'm Aaron. I'm Rob. And we always like to remind you, if you want to submit a question, the best way to do that is to come to church on Sunday and drop one in the black box in the hallway. Uh, but you can also email office at canbychristian.org. And if you don't know anything about our church, we don't know why you're listening to this. But <laughs> you want more information, go to canbychristian.org. We're glad you're listening to it. <laughs> yeah, we're well. glad you're listening. We're just perplexed. <laughs> uh, Pleasantly surprised. <laughs> Rob, how's your week? I know you got a new fire pit. I and did. you're just like basically living the camper life. You know, yeah. When I first <laughs> moved into the house that we're in, we had like, we have this small backyard, but it has a chain link fence that looks out into like a field that I think is purposely kept barren. It's near the police station. And I was like, this is sort of strange, but now I realize how nice it is because I can sit on my back patio, which is very small, but like I have a perfect view into this field and there's like deer grazing it every, every morning. It's crazy how beautiful it is. It's kind of amazing coming from California where it's all barren and sad most of the year and there's just dirt and rocks. I live in a desert. And then I'm just chilling on my back porch, and it's a beautiful thing. But, yeah, we're starting to invest a little bit now that we're settling into the house um, in some outdoor stuff. And, yeah, we got a fire pit. We got some chairs, some tables. We're also getting camping gear. We're gearing up for camping season over the summer, which I'm pumped about. Um, But, yeah, it was a cool week. Me and the wife actually went over to Cannon Beach. Oh, yeah. My birthday was this week, so my sister offered to watch our kids for a couple, well, for really like a day and a half. So we got our first overnight getaway and we stayed in a little cabin uh, over there in Cannon Beach and it was really nice. It was, the, the weather was not so nice for yeah, being at yeah. the beach. It was raining as it often does, but it was like really raining pretty, pretty good. But <clears throat> just being away from the kids was, uh, you know, was good enough. Yeah, so we sure. enjoyed having some, some alone time and, just hanging out. There's really cool like um, shops and restaurants and coffee shops and places like that. So we just checked all those places out and and uh, it was fun. Nice. And now we're back. And sad. <laughs> I don't. When you were talking about sitting on your back porch looking at this field, for some reason this mental image of uh, the uncle from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation <laughs> <laughs> when he walks, and he's got like rain boots on and like short shorts yeah. and a ski hat on i'm like that's rob on his porsche <laughs> yeah and he's like in his boxers though yeah i think he's in his boxers yeah, yeah he's in his boxers emptying out the sewer drain on <laughs> yeah, his motor yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think I'm not, rob on his back i'm porch. not there yet but i'll get there you need a rocking chair though is what it sounds like Ooh, not yeah. even a, you do not a rocking chair either you need a rocking chair a rocking chair sure. that would be and wonderful. a corn cob pipe and <laughs> yeah that's fun and a banjo yeah. yeah, it is a really nice field. <laughs> it'll it'll flower um, probably pretty close now. Um, anyway, how was your week, Cody? Oh, it was pretty good. Yeah, I was. It's funny. I was saying uh, we don't know why anyone who doesn't go to our church would be listening, but I was at my niece's uh, volleyball tournament after church Sunday. 
which is not normally what I do. Usually I just go and like crash mm. on the couch, but it was fun to, it was my last chance to see her play before her season was over. And so I got to see three games, which was cool, but I was talking to my brother-in-law and uh, he mentioned how he thought it was funny that everyone was making fun of me for crying in my sermon. <laughs> And he was referencing the podcast. I didn't realize he listens. Yeah. Oh, wow. He's a mail carrier, so I think he listens to a lot of podcasts. You know? Oh, okay. But okay. it was funny. He was talking to me about it, you know, and I was like, I didn't even know you listened to the podcast, you know. That's so <laughs> funny. That's cool. Yeah, but it was cool seeing my niece play. She was Her team was working hard, and it was pretty pretty intense. Last game of the season, I was telling Aaron this earlier, they get uh, – they they are like ranked and they work their way up and down the rankings throughout the season so by the last tournament of the season all of these teams have had a whole season to basically show exactly their skill level so every team they're playing is like exactly as skilled as them mm. so like every point was super hard hard fought and, mm. and it was loud the whole ex portland expo center was just full of volleyball courts of 14 year old girls screaming mm -hmm. every point and it was super intense and not at all what i was expecting when i was like oh i'll just go to my niece's volleyball game yeah yeah <laughs> it was crazy how about you aaron i honestly i can't even remember what happened this last week I, yeah it was a pretty normal normal week for me Nice. So, yeah, nothing, nothing too exciting, life changing. Was it? Was Although it? I did buy my kids a trampoline. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's, that's life changing. It it kind of is. <laughs> I I realized yesterday when they were really excited about it, this could be the best babysitter, cheapest babysitter I ever bought. I yep. mean, they are so stoked to put it in uh have it in the backyard and nice. i realized there's a big area i thought tv was the best babysitter that you could buy well yeah but <laughs> i'm just kidding that's not our, that's not our that's the one that gives that's the tongue side in cheek. that's the yeah. one we don't talk about <laughs> that we don't admit we use I'm kidding. <laughs> but yeah no the trampoline is cool because they can go out there and get some energy out and they crashed uh like they went to bed like oh nice when they went to bed they went to bed so they got a little energy out um, but yeah, we set it up yesterday and my neighbors helped me, which was pretty cool. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think it'll get plenty of use yeah. this summer, which That'll is, be rad. I went, I was probably 13 or 14. We had, uh, a trampoline, but it didn't, it didn't have the walls on it and it didn't have all the safety measures they have now. And so I'm happy that it has like the mesh wall or all the way around <laughs> it. So they're not flying out or falling into the springs or whatever you yeah. do. Uh, they can be pretty dangerous, but anyway, um, we I set that up yesterday. Nice, that's awesome. So that was kind of cool. They we'll say uh, they say being a, a weekly teaching pastor is like pushing a boulder up a hill, mm. and then uh, pushing it and watching it roll down the hill, uh -huh. and then on Monday going back down and starting pushing it again. But yeah. you had a week off from that. Yeah, was yeah. it hard to to pick up that boulder and start pushing again? <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah. jumping back into Romans after taking a huge break yeah. from Romans. Yeah, too. you switched to the Romans <laughs> boulder. <laughs> That's a heavy one. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Um, you know, it's funny you say that. My my neighbor, this guy named Ken, he's an older man. He's been coming to the church now for several months, and uh, it was so cool. He invited me over to his house, and we were chatting, and uh, he gave me a knife, like this really cool custom knife and okay. i'm like what a thoughtful yeah gift cool. you know like anyway i was kind of blessed by it and we talked and he was talking about my sermon that week and how he was thinking about me and 
he was like, how, how do you not burn out? Hmm. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, I mean, to come up with like material every week. Hmm. Like he was just kind of like, you know, I guess like what you're just saying right now with pushing the boulder up the hill, you know? And I'm like, I don't really feel that way, honestly. Nice. I mean, sure, yeah, yeah. there are there are some weeks that there's a lot going on, you know, but I truly enjoy studying. That's studying the scriptures. Yeah. I think if, and there are a lot of preachers who enjoy various aspects, you know, for me, I enjoy the process of preparation. Other guys really enjoy the delivery, right? Mm. I mean, I don't really care about that. Like, I'm, it, it doesn't get me excited to get up in front of a bunch of people and talk. I love just spending time in the Bible and learning new things for myself. And so I think if you find joy in that, um, then it's not pushing a boulder up a hill. You know, it's mm. like anything that you do regularly that's not easy, but you see it's beneficial for your own soul or your own self, you know? So, mm. but I mean, I, I also... It, I guess in one sense, it's kind of like working out. Like sometimes you just need a week off from working out and your body's tired. And, and, uh, so it is good to rest from that. So I was happy to have the week off, but I, I don't know if I would use the illustration of pushing. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of a boulder up a hill. That's some pessimistic way. Some dude who's almost burnt out is the one who said that. Well, (laughs) no, totally. Um, No, totally. I mean, another thing to think about too is like you're not overly concerned about ensuring that each of your sermons has some, you know, incredibly timely, relevant, like reference. Yeah, yeah. Which a lot of guys and they get that into their head that that is an important part of their their you know sermons and it's not insignificant. You want to be mindful of what's happening, but sometimes you're overly concerned with how can I work in this, you know, thing that's happening? How can I talk about mm. Elon buying Twitter in my sermon this week? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, just don't worry about that. Just <laughs> right. preach the text and, and inevitably things will come out of the text, you know, that will help yeah. to inform, I, you know, things going on in life. But anyways, I think if you're, if you're so overly concerned about stuff like that, that can be, that can be daunting. Yeah. Daunting. Well, yeah. The, fe- the need to, uh, I, I, I'll, the b- baseball illustration is like I, I don't need to hit a home run every time I step up to the plate. Like sometimes a single up the middle <laughs> will will advance a run, yeah. you know. And <laughs> I think that, uh, or or honestly, a walk. <laughs> you know, like I'll take a walk sometimes. You know, and you got on base. And I'm gonna be honest. The passage this week was was I got on base. You know, like this wasn't uh, this isn't a passage that people use as a memory verse. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, this isn't chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. You know, I mean, this maybe 13. Yeah, 13 is, <coughs> I mean, <coughs> obviously it's the Bible. Everything about it's great. That's true. But <laughs> this, to me, this was like a really easy passage. Um, mm-hmm. It was, a, uh, or maybe an illustration of a meal, right? Like, in the week, maybe you make one great meal that week, but most of the time it's like, we're heating up something that we had like <laughs> last night, you know, and that, and guess what? I'm, I'm fed, you know, like I'm, uh, and, and not that I am into interested in microwaving sermons. I've already talked about that. But my point is, is like, sometimes we just eat tacos that night sure. and it's okay. Yeah. You know, yep. um, it doesn't have to be a lavish meal every single time. So if you put that 
uh, burden on yourself that every time it's got to be the best meal you've ever had, the best, you know, the biggest home run you've ever hit, uh, you know, then obviously it can be like rolling a rock up a hill yeah. <laughs> and you got to do that again. And that is cumbersome and laborsome, but I'm not, that's not my, uh, that's not what I, I've used the illustration before. It's like paintless dent removal where, yeah. you know, you're pressing on it like a thousand times mm -hmm. and then eventually everything smooths out. Like one sermon is like one press on, on that dent and, and the word of God smooths out the rough edges of our soul and our character, you know, over time, one sermon often isn't going to change your life. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it can, and that's the Lord doing that. Not your great sermon. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I, I heard this, gr the, the greatest sermon I've ever heard mm. was from a dude named Chuck Lindsay. Did you ever meet him? Rob? Oh yeah. Amazing Bible teacher. You, but this sermon I heard, I didn't even know the guy really. I knew who he was, but I didn't, I had never heard him teach the Bible before. And in reality, he was a nobody, like mm. not an author. Like he, he wasn't was, a pastor. He wasn't even a pastor at the he time. Be, yeah, he became he had, one. He, yeah. had, he was a pastor, quit being a pastor and was a 3D graphics designer. Okay. Like, so he made. Epically um, talented. Epically talented guy. He made like. Like in those commercials when like Ford trucks go smashing through a wall and like the wall breaks up. Okay. That's yeah. not really happening. Right. Like a 3D graphic designer made that wall, made it explode when a truck was just driving down the road. And so that's the kind of stuff that he did. And he preached on Romans 7. Uh, yeah, Rob's favorite thing that Rob likes to disagree yeah, with me on. How dare you. But he was talking about... Um, <laughs> You know, the sin within and the struggle mm -hmm. of these kind of the things I want to do, I don't do and blah, blah, blah. And I, I remember listening to the sermon and seriously being choked up. Like mm -hmm. I'm going to ball up and cry. And I had never felt that way in a sermon. I, I leave, I walk out to go into the bathroom to gather myself. <laughs> and this guy I knew, Jason, was walking out of the bathroom, wiping tears from his face <laughs> He was feeling the same way. My wife was feeling the same way. This other guy, mm -hmm. Daniel, was feeling... I'm like, I have never had a sermon yeah. just drop on all these people like that, where they're all like cut to the heart, and it was so biblical, it was so relevant, and it spoke to everyone in the room, and I'm like, I've, I, I don't think I've ever heard a sermon like that ever again. Hmm. And it was just like, it was a divine moment. And uh, it was it was awesome. It was just like a I, it reminded me of the the road to Emmaus, right? Like that's probably what these guys felt like. Like wow, I have never heard mm. someone explain the scriptures like that before. And just that heartburn inside, it was it was rad. I'll never forget uh, that that day. And not like there was anything big going on in my life either. It wasn't like I was in sin or something. Like <laughs> yeah. I was just like wow, look at what the Lord has done for me. You know what I mean? It was uh, it was a great sermon. Cool. Anyway. Now we're in Romans. Yeah, and that only happens ever so often when the Holy Spirit is moving in such a way. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. If you have to make it every week, you're going to be in big trouble soon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. And I mean, yeah. I highly doubt, knowing Chuck, that he walked into that room that day thinking, oh, yeah, this I'm, is this is going to be a home run. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to tug all the heartstrings. Uh, yeah, all he didn't know. He just was like, man, I was moved by this sermon. Let me preach it to you guys, you <laughs> yeah. know. Yeah, and it w it dropped hard on everybody. It well, and probably amazing. there's people in that room that were just like, "Oh, that was boring." 
there could have been. You know, oh, like, because they're all, like, in your attitude and your openness. And, yeah. yeah. But the people that, I mean, myself included, you know, we weren't expecting to have something like that. And right. To, to, to uh, sense God moving in, in that way um, through that sermon was pretty pretty rad. But yeah. anyway. Yeah. I mean, people say that about Piper's seashells on oh, the beach. Yes. A yeah. passion sermon. Yeah, it was like what, the first passion conference. It was like in when 1999. Yeah, or basically put Piper on the map. Yeah. I thought so you were speak, talking about your daughter for a second. No, yeah, John no, Piper. John Piper. Who yeah, my named daughter's daughter named. Is she him. named after John Piper? <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> Specifically a- after John Piper. Really? Right. No. <laughs> no. 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 Well, but and I, I'm John not, Owen. Not John Owen. And, and yeah, and Owen. that's true. Oh my god, that is true. That's Slight awesome. influence from John Owen for my son Owen. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. I just like the names. And yeah. if the wife says okay, it's cool. We go with it. Yeah, nice. yeah. but I could always, you know, brag about that. You so. named John, named her after John Piper. <laughs> Why not? Of course. Anyways, let's get into Romans. Yeah, what's it, <laughs> it all was? About? It was good to be back in Romans for sure. Definitely, I was, I, I've loved this book so far. Well, and it was fun too. We were talking about we didn't plan for them to relate so closely. These two oh, sermons true. in a row, Road to Emmaus and. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it is it is interesting to think, and you raise the point like we don't the Bible doesn't tell us specifically what Jesus taught on the road to Emmaus. It says he opened up the scriptures and showed how it, it would, you could track this all the way through. Um, but here, maybe he said what Paul said <laughs> here because yeah. yeah. Paul said some very specific ones, and they're great ones that Jesus easily. I mean, Jesus must have referenced right or. Probably some of them, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you yeah. could have for sure. This is about expanding, you know, the vision for God's people to to include the Gentiles and stuff like that. Yeah, but I'm sure there was many more. Yeah, but yeah. No, I and I when I was reading it, I was like, you know, when whenever you start a sermon, you're always going. What am I going to say? You know, <laughs> it's kind of the first. How am I starting? How am I starting this thing out? And I was just reading it and reading it. I'm like, for some reason, this one just came to me really fast. Like, it was a really clear sermon. I mean, in one sense, it was a sermon outline in and of itself. Yeah. He makes his point right in the beginning. He defends that scripturally, and then he gives an application at the end yeah. in the prayer. Which, uh, sorry, I'm realizing we didn't say what we are referencing yet. So if you miss the sermon, yeah, okay. always you can go back and, and listen to the sermon, either online uh, or on this podcast, however you're listening to it. It's probably there also. Um, so listen to that, but if you are... Uh, not sure where we are. We're in Romans 15, 8 through 13. So yeah. if you want to uh, be following along in your Bible. And we are that's recording, what, that's right? That's what we are. <laughs> yeah, we're recording. <laughs> we're not going to start all this re- over again. <laughs> okay. I wouldn't have remembered anything. We've never done that but before. But that's where, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, how's your week for the first time? Yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah, Romans 15, 8 through 13 is what we're looking at. A, yeah. a simple, really simple text, straightforward. I, I think it was kind of like, most of the other commentaries or other sermons I saw, people just included verses 1 through 13, that whole section mm-hmm. as one sermon, feeling like, why am I going to spend my time on this you know, 8 through 13 when it's really just kind of continuation of the rest, which to some sense I agree and in another sense I disagree because I feel like verse 7 is the bookend of the beginning of that discussion about conscience 
and a weak conscience and things like that and welcoming mm-hmm. one another because that goes back to 14 verse 1 uh, welcome him but not to quarrel over opinions so I felt like that would that was a good sort of uh, closing point for the, that three part sermon uh, series and then now coming into 15 I'm like this is sort of a standalone where it kind of ends like a bigger discussion which is Paul's desire to see unity between Jews and Gentiles in in the church in Rome, not just uh, people with a weak conscience or a strong conscience, um, but specifically these two groups of people, um, those who are Jews and those who are not Jews, everybody else. Um, but anyway, so I saw it as kind of that, and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to do a standalone sermon on this and end this point. And and then that part, a whole section is over. And then we're going to go someplace totally different <laughs> from here on forward. But I figured getting back into Romans, we'll, we'll, we'll go into it easy <laughs> coming after the Easter weekend and all that. But yeah, but yeah, what, uh, did, were you guys, Oh, cause you said in your life group mm-hmm. that you noticed the same thing with the road to Emmaus and stuff like that on, on Thursday. Yeah. So that's funny. Cause I didn't know that you had had that discussion, but I saw mm. this same thing, which is kind yeah. of h- hilarious. Well, I was saying, yeah, because I had to prepare for that one. So I'd been thinking about it a lot. I was like, am I reading, reading into, into stuff that I just like is from <coughs> my sitting and talking before about something else, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, and we also talked about how it, for the sermon last Sunday we didn't get there, but with youth group we went into, um, we went into the rest of Luke where he does go to the rest of the disciples, and he, uh, you know, talks to them about how they are going to take the message of forgiveness in Christ mm-hmm. uh, to the ends of the earth. You know, so we got to go to the rest of it, and that was actually a, a big emphasis of one of the. Uh, one of the commentaries I was reading is that Luke and Acts, which Acts is a lot of it's about Paul who wrote mm-hmm. Romans, is a big cohesive thought of, you know, salvation coming through Jesus and eventually being extended to all Gentiles, mm-hmm. all the promises of God being extended to everyone outside mm-hmm. of the Jewish nation. Um, and so it, it is, it's kind of funny to think, but it's obviously you know, really obvious that it would go there, that this guy, Luke, who's writing about, you know, eventually the stuff that Paul did and Paul's teaching. And like, obviously there's going to be some crossover and themes, you know, and he's writing to Theophilus, right. Mm -hmm. Who's a Greek person, right? Yeah. 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 Right. Right. Gentile. (laughs) Yeah. That's in the opening of his gospel. Yeah. And so that's definitely in view. That's Mm -hmm. his, one of his missions, you know, and then now we see Paul emphasizing that, uh, unity between the two groups of people. So interesting how all those things overlap. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, um, had, you had some questions. Yeah. On the, I was thinking as I was listening to you, just in the back of my head, this is not something you mentioned in your sermon, but looking at Jewish people and Gentiles, ethnicity is at the forefront of the discussion a little bit. And I was just thinking, I wonder, would it be wrong to apply this text in in, in a way that uh, is kind of looking to modern-day ethnic relations between believers. 
mm-hmm. or well, like why are we not? And I I tend to think no. I think you're stretching it maybe. Mm-hmm. But I'm interested. Did you think anything about that? Because obviously, in our current you know context in our zeitgeist of our country and mm-hmm. in, in modern evangelicalism in in our country, that's a big topic of discussion: race relations, integration, diversity, that kind of thing. Um, which is a part of this, obviously, because they're they're two ethnic groups who are trying to figure out how to interact with one another of course there's that's more than two right there's the jewish people and there's sort of everyone which could make up multiple people groups in the gentiles but i don't know did you think of anything about that or have any ideas to reference any of that kind of i mean yeah i think that i would probably think about that more going back to what you were saying earlier about like working in the elon musk buying twitter thing like if i have these other things that are occupying my headspace, then I will oftentimes carry that and or anybody mm. oftentimes carries that into their sermon preparation and it begins to color the way that they think about the scriptures, you know, mm. and maybe I'm just not into the zeitgeist <laughs> as, as much as I should be or something zeitgeist <laughs> being the spirit of the age, right? Yeah. Like it's the water we swim in that we don't even realize we're swimming in it, but it influences the way that we think, um, or behave or believe or whatever. Um, so I, I, I'm not really into those like race discussions a lot because I don't think they're very biblical. Um, and I don't like, I don't, I don't even think the discussion itself is oftentimes grounded in a biblical, biblically motivated, um, source or even vision in the end. So I, I think that sometimes the, they're not really all that helpful. Um, but I do think in Paul's mind, there were two groups of people, Jews and everyone else, where in mm. our mind, in, in the United States, it's like black or white, you know, or it's like brown or white, you know, mm. depending on like, yeah. well, there's if you, many live, different if you live in Southern California, yeah. it's like Hispanics and white people, you know. If you live in other parts of the country, it's whites or blacks or whatever the the ethnic division is. Yeah. Um, and uh, BIPOC is a a popular acronym for black, indigenous, and people of color. Okay. To like encapsulate a bunch of Dif- people who aren't white. People who aren't white. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think we think that like that is the line, right? White and what is it? BIPOC. You said. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's just not the way like Paul was thinking right. at all. And yeah. I I think that it's not color of skin, in in um, or even culture that Paul is talking about here. He's talking about covenant mm. people, God's covenant people, mm. the Jews, right? And people who aren't covenant people, and them being outside of the covenant, looking in, and being invited to come in. Mm. So this isn't about culture. This isn't about color. This is about covenant. That'll preach. Ooh. Mm. And, uh, that was illiterate. That was <laughs> completely off the top of my head. Wow. But <laughs> Tweet it. Tweet it, everyone. So that's what I'm saying. I think they're, they're not unrelated, yeah. but they're not like, that's not I think point. it is a stretch. It shouldn't be a driving force in your sermon or even in your like general impression of the passage. Um, but yet at the same time, it is a question Mm -hmm. that we should think about because of our own spiritual zeitgeist. I think if we want to talk about race relations and things like that, 
I think, in, in the church, because obviously he's trying to unite these. And it, it's, it's two groups of people, but they're not, again, based on color or culture, because the Gentiles would have been all kinds of different colors and cultures. Right. Um, cause they're from all of the nations. And so, but they're relating to the Jews who are God's historic covenant people. And so I think that, um, yeah, it would be a stretch for us to then apply that to our church culture or our church color mm-hmm. in modern day application, because that's not necessarily what it's about. It's really about observing the discussion that happened in the past of, wow, look at the way God brought these people who were not his people in through his old covenant people and included them into that. Um, And now we get to be a part of that. Isn't that awesome? Whether you're whatever color you are, wherever, whatever language you speak, um, like we're a part of that, like big C church, Mm -hmm. universal church. Now how we express that in local churches is probably a better question. We're going to get into that as we keep moving forward in in Romans when we get to the end and he starts doing all of his like hey thank the people from this household thank the people from this household these people stuck their neck out for me these people did this for me like these people and like literally naming people by name um but like Rome like any city was ethnically diverse and they were probably these were house churches spread out throughout the entire city and they were probably pretty homogenous. Uh, people who spoke one language predominantly were in one house church in one quadrant of the city. <laughs> and the cobblers all went to church over here. The, you know, these two families or these, these groups of people went to church over here in this part because that's where they lived. And it, like in today, I was talking to you guys about this earlier. Like today you go to a city and you've got Little Italy and you've got Chinatown and you've got this uh, German area and like that's where the people go because they speak the language and they understand the culture and there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong unless obviously there starts to be fighting yeah. among them. Um, and the churches are to work together when there is that stuff. Uh, right. Or some going kind of on. superiority between, you know, when it comes to ethnicity, like, oh, right. this one's better than the other. Yeah. Yeah. And they're trying, and he's obviously trying to bring unity. Um, but I was thinking about, as you were talking, uh, like people like Ruth, right, who's a Moabitess, yeah. who is grafted in, uh-huh. kinsman redeemed into the people of God. Yeah. Right? She yeah. would be considered, uh, would she be considered a Jew in this sense? I'm just kind of curious, uh, looking back at the Old Testament, because there were, there were people who came from the nations who were brought into the people yeah. of God, but they weren't ethnically of Abraham. Well, well, look at Jesus's his like, lineage. lineage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, she she makes she converts she, right. to a Jew, right? Yeah, exactly. So she wasn't born a Jew; she was born a Moabite person, but she converts to Judaism because she's got that great statement: "Your people will be my people, your God, my God, your land, my land." Mm-hmm. And uh, and she was not alone in that. There yeah. were others. Maybe some of whom we know, some of whom we don't know. What it, do you mean? it is a good point. In the Old Testament, who converted to... to oh, of course. Rahab did. Right, I mean, Rahab. Yeah, other other people did, but her specifically, um, like she just converted and became a Jew by conversion, not by ethnicity. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And but, I, I think that's something we discussed in our small group a little bit too, 
is that um, when you read through the Old Testament, it feels like they are trying to isolate on purpose. They're trying to like, and, but who is the Jews? The Jews. But yeah. what? It, but I think because I mean we talked about the uh, the the concept of um, of gleaning, right? That you leave. The yeah. edges of your field, like we were talking about in another discussion, you leave the edges of your field unharvested so travelers can walk along your field and get some food, right? You like, you share, you are open. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of times in the Old Testament, it feels like they're trying to get rid of people, but it's actually the people that they've brought in have been more of an influence on them mm-hmm, than they were mm-hmm, on those people. And right. now they're worshiping all these false gods, these foreign gods. Yeah. And, and that when we see that, that's when there's really specific harsh teaching of like, you need to separate from that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not like always separate from everybody because it feels a little bit sometimes like the one way to be grafted in is through faith in Jesus and no one in the Old Testament ever could have become part of the covenant people, mm. right? And there's it like feels like that, but that's not hard true. To, that's yeah, not a biblical right. Reality, it's hard, yeah. right? It's hard to uh, explain that because oftentimes we read Old Testament stories where foreign people are messing things up, or the more accurately, the Jews have messed up with some foreign people, <laughs> right, <laughs> right? And right, they right, need right, to yeah. like move away, or they yeah. need to separate, or they need to get out somehow. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, and, and I mean, that's somewhat of a, that's true even in the church today and among Christians, you know, you you sort of, <coughs> because maybe you lived in the world and you understand how the world works, then you become a Christian, and then you're like, wow, like, I just need to stay out of that, like, all of that, and you you almost see the world as the problem, and the world is the problem, but, like, it was your love of the world that was also the problem, hmm. and so now your affections have been changed, and you are also called back into the world as a different person, but it's like the monks of of uh, the medieval age. You know, they just they th- they saw the world as a problem, so they isolated themselves until they realized they were the problem um, in their little monkeries, monasteries. <laughs> and uh, but but we as Christians do that, right? We get into our little holy huddles, and uh, and and we keep people away from us because we feel like they're the problem and they're going to ruin our, our lives or they're going to ruin our kids' lives. They're going to do things like that. Um, yeah. I I thought it was really interesting. I, uh, through, uh, Ramadan I was doing, there was a daily, uh, you know, little booklet, pray for the Muslim world. Uh, and every day had a story of someone from a Muslim country or, you know, people you could be praying for. Right. And the last day was referring to, uh, in the United States, uh, I forget where it was, maybe New York, something like that, but there's a lot of Moroccan immigrants that all come together and they all hang out at the same like coffee shop and eat food together and play games together. It's like just a place. And it's not like for Moroccans only. It's just something that this, I don't know if that's part of Moroccan culture all the time, but this group of Moroccan people who are all Muslim hang out at the same spot. And it was saying like, you don't have to raise money to like be a missionary. You take your whole family to Morocco. Like you can go and share spiritual conversations with yeah. these Moroccan Muslims. Yeah. If you can just buy a coffee 
once a week. You know, like if you for a little the price of a coffee, you don't have to raise money to be a missionary, right? Yeah. But uh, but that's not cool, man. But the th- <laughs> <laughs> that the doesn't thing- that doesn't get your church all amped up over international missions. But you know I thought they had a great, they had an awesome. <laughs> <laughs> they had an awesome that was, that was condescending awesome reference to something else Paul said right he's in Athens and it's like his big speech to the people of Athens and in that speech he says uh he being God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek God perhaps feel their way toward him and find him <clears throat> Right, and then the rest of it's uh, something we actually used for a call to worship not that long ago. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live, move, and have our being, as even some of your poets have said. Mm-hmm. Uh, for we are indeed his offspring. But it's an interesting thing if we think that God has allotted times and places where people would be, and we're like in this country where foreign people come and and like form communities all the time. It's like. God has created this situation where more and more people that would have been really hard to reach with the gospel mm-hmm. are reachable with the gospel. It's a, you know, and I don't know why I've never really thought of it that way, but I think it fits in perfectly with this. Like this was always God's plan that all people would have the opportunity to come and to worship him and be, you know, grafted into his family be a part of his promises uh, and, it, you know, globalization sometimes is like this scary thing for people. Like, what's it going to do? What's it like? What does it mean for the end times? And maybe it does mean the end times are coming because people from like every nation are coming and like right in the backyards of Christian people who can give them the gospel. You yeah. know, it's like insane when you think about it. Canada, mm. U.S., all of like the immigrants that come here. Um, that, you know, and refugees that come here that like are just ready to hear the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And God allotted it. God created the boundaries and the dwelling places that the people would go to, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So in this text, that was interesting to me. And we talked about this in my life group was like, Paul is basically trying to tell, Hey, listen, Jewish brothers and sisters, it has always been God's plan to include the Gentiles. Like yeah. we, and that's and was, to use you to do it, right? <laughs> not 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 to like holy huddle you, and you're just better than everybody else. No, he chose you to use you to reach the nations, right? But and so often in the Old Testament, like Cody's mentioning, it's it seems like that was not on their minds. Maybe are they wrongly, you know, had a, a weird idea about that? And so I thought it, this was interesting that Paul's like, listen. Let's look back at our scriptures, and I will show you all of yeah. the references of how we are to, you know, be this this light to the Gentiles, even in the Old Testament. But it got me thinking about Deuteronomy uh, four, verse five says, "See, I have taught you statutes and rules." This is Moses speaking to the people there before they're entering the Promised Land, right? Um, as the Lord my God commanded me that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of all the peoples or the nations, right? Who, mm. when they hear all these statutes, will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that is set before you today? So it's like you are to go into this nation now. Of course, 
you know, if you're, if you study the scriptures, you know how everything unfolded. And of course there were wars <laughs> and there was like, we don't want to hear your God, but there are some like Rahab, right? Not mm. long after this event who hears of the, this amazing reality of who God is. And then hides the spies and, and converts, you know what I mean? And so it's just interesting that that is a thread through the Old Testament, essentially the yeah. Jewish people evangelizing and converting people to to worship Yahweh. And uh, it's just something we don't think often about. And I think the Apostle Paul brings that to light here to help bring unity here as Christ has broadened even further the, the you know, the covenant people. And, and so it's yeah, no, a really that's cool. a great text to bring up. Yep. Yeah, I, I think about, well, I mean, Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant, mm-hmm. I will bless you. Really the first like very clear covenant to Abraham, which eventually became the nation of Israel. Um, you know, that that in uh, Genesis 12, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your future generations and all the nations of the earth will, will be blessed through you. And in just in the one book, at the by the end of Genesis, you've already got a partial fulfillment of that promise in Genesis 12 with the Joseph story mm-hmm. and how through Joseph, so who was, you know, a son of great grandson. Yeah, great, great, great grandson, right? A son of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Right. Uh so he was a Jew, but one. God used one man who came from the Jews, and it was as Joseph himself admitted what his brothers meant for evil, God used it for good to bring salvation, mm. to save many lives. The Egyptians and all of the other surrounding nations who were able to come and buy grain because of what Joseph in his wisdom was able to do. And and in the same way, right, this is an even bigger thing. God, through the Jewish people, sent his son, uh, Jesus, and in order that many might come and believe in him. So the Jews were a tool, uh, and as Paul David Tripp called his book, an instrument in the Redeemer's hands. Mm. And so they get to be used by him. And so th- that's why he says, Jesus came to serve. And so you Jews should be serving these Gentiles in order to lead them into a welcoming relationship with Jesus um, because that's what God's purpose for you all along was. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and so that's, I think the title, well, when you put it that way, you know, <laughs> it, right. it, it, it gives you a lot of purpose. Like, wow, I didn't, God could use someone like me and wants to use me in that way. And, and I have that opportunity. Like, that's amazing, you know, like, but you don't want to, unfortunately in our sinfulness, we tend to think ourselves as better than, right. Yeah. Or special. Or we're just yeah. not mindful of others. We're too self-focused, self-centered. Yeah. We want what we want. Yeah. yeah. Which it might be worth uh it might be worth mentioning here that there's the Old Testament kind of gets divided up into categories. Um <clears throat> and because it what's relevant about it is Paul takes a little bit from the buffet of the Old Testament. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He takes a little bit from each category, right? So he references Psalm eighteen. And so it's like, hey, look at the books of poetry, right? We have yeah. Psalms the and writings, proverbs and yeah. uh, and Song of Solomon. Like, hey, you you want something from the Old Testament from one of those? Here's a piece from Psalm 18 that talks about this exact idea about how God 
will be faithful to the Jewish people. He'll be merciful to the Gentile people, right? Yeah. And he's like, okay, how about Deuteronomy? So that's like the Torah, right? The mm-hmm. law, when you see that in there, the law did this. The Torah, it's like the, sometimes we call it the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exorcist, Leviathan. Exorcist? <laughs> Leviathan? Leviathan. <laughs> uh, that's from that TV show, Psych. He's like, Genesis, Exorcist, Leviathan, do the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. But the first five books they call the law, like those are the ones Moses wrote. So like Road to Emmaus, he said Moses and the prophets, right? right, he, right, like, right. He's like... And then we have Isaiah 11, one of the prophets, and there's a whole bunch of prophets, and there's major prophets and minor prophets. But basically he's saying, like, anything you can find in the Old Testament, you'll be able to find these promises were there. Mm. Yeah, that is a really good point. And what's interesting, we were talking in our small group about the, the to confirm the promises uh, for the Gentiles, it does give us hope because we see God was faithful to fulfill the promises to the Jewish people. Why would he not be faithful to fulfill pr- promises for for the rest of us who are now grafted in? Yeah, for sure. To the people of God. Um, so, anyways, but going back to the idea of service and serving one another, or the fact that Christ came as a servant, and you you focused a bit earlier in your sermon about that reality. Yeah, yeah. And um, I was just thinking, yeah, you mentioned that like one of the things that makes it nearly impossible is being self-centered. Uh, what are some mm-hmm. other, maybe some other things that are hindering us from serving like Christ serves or in, in that these Jewish people were ought to be serving the Gentiles and vice versa. They need to be serving one another. Um, I don't know any thoughts about that. I remember one from your message because I wrote it down. You said humility. Is oh the yeah. Key, key ingredient, key ingredient to Christian unity. Right. Yeah. And that is, that's probably a tough one. Yeah. Because it's not like sometimes it's not enough uh, to think that you have the right understanding of something. Sometimes as humans, it feels like, but everyone else needs to know I'm right too. <laughs> like there's yeah. like, uh, but I'm right. I'm right. You have yeah. to submit to me because I'm right. You know, there's yeah. so many good cliches with humility. Um, but one was like, well, so what is humility? Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And right. I think that's kind of a good little yeah, cliche, a great one. but I think one thing is just thinking rightly about yourself right. is humility and seeing yourself in the way that God sees you. So you can't like really be humble until you've grasped that I am a broken person. Um, but I'm also made in the image of God, made with a purpose, and I have a calling, and God has given me certain gifts and abilities, and I don't see those gifts as, you know, God that I'm God's gift to humanity, mm-hmm. but I have something to offer in service to the church and something to offer somebody, and if God gives me an opportunity, then I'm willing and able to serve them, whatever they need, not what I how I want to meet that need or whatever, mm. because it's not about me or my gift, but about that person. And so I think humility is um, a, a way of viewing ourselves in light of the way God sees us, has called us, but also in our brokenness and his grace. And then the purpose again, to reach out to people. So I think it's a, it's a conglomeration of all of that sort of like mm. working together. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, humility, that's Paul's point in Philippians too, is if you're going to have unity, then you need to have humility. 
right. just as Jesus demonstrated his humility by humbling himself and coming in the form of a human being and dying for you to the point of death on the cross, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but I think there's hope in that too, of going back to the road to Emmaus. He must suffer these things before entering his glory. That's Paul's point in Philippians two. He humbled himself, suffered these things to give you an example. Oh, but look at the end. Glory was given to Jesus. Like your glory will also come later on as well. Mm. And we have that hope for a reward hmm. at, and I'm not, we, I think we've talked about this before, like how motivated you are you in your Christian walk for rewards? Yeah. Um, well, it's kind know, of an eye opening section of a book we were reading on spiritual growth. Oh yes. Kenneth yes, Boa book. Yes. Kenneth, Kenneth Boa book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, yeah. He I called him Kenny. Kenny. He was Formal. talking about spiritual <laughs> I called him rewards Kenna <laughs> and crowns and these things that Paul talks about. I think there's like four or five. Yeah. That was a eye, that was an eye opening chapter for me in that book conformed to his image. It's a big old textbook size book. If yeah, you want to yeah, check yeah. it out. But, uh, that like there's a biblical precedent to be motivated that God will reward you in heaven right, someday. Right. Yep. Um, and yep. it's like, nah, but, but I shouldn't <laughs> like, I know I don't I, deserve that. I'm a loser. Yeah. And it's I don't like, deserve no, anything. be Jesus happy, said. be happy. God wants to give you yeah. good things yep. and you doing good things here. He wants to give you even more good things. Like, and we don't know what that exactly means in heaven, what it looks like any of that but it says god wants to do it for you and so right. if, if that makes you feel happy that god loves you in a way he wants to reward you for your hard work even though you know your hard work is really just filthy rags mm-hmm. <laughs> and doesn't deserve to be rewarded god wants to so work hard for your reward you know yeah, yeah. i think we just wrongly see it in like the form of competition yeah like if i get the trophy it means everybody else lost you know and that's not obviously the right context for what uh the biblical authors are talking about with spiritual rewards it's you fulfilled what god called you to do and therefore you get a reward you were faithful um in that and i think that um seeing it less in a a competing with my fellow christian and and fulfilling the calling that god has on your life is and then receiving a reward at the end for that i think is uh, a better understanding but we want that we want at the mm-hmm. end of the day the lord to say well done <laughs> good and faithful servant enter into yes. the joy of your lord i mean yeah who does not want to hear those words like right. that's what we <laughs> want to hear and well the christian wants to hear those words the non-christian mm-hmm. could care less but um another but yeah. another reason maybe we're serving as hard as just i'll say laziness but i also kind of mean like apathy like do i really need to mm. you know what i mean and i think that's mm. what what is great about the discipline of you know your own personal spiritual disciplines but also coming to church and hearing texts like this preached where we look to christ as a servant and think am i doing that with my fellow brothers and sisters in christ in my community and it pushes us out of the apathy is probably a better what was what was your question thing. again the what are the things that hinder us from serving of being servant-minded like Christ. And so we talk yeah. about pride or humility. We talking about humility, yeah. We talk about self-centeredness. Yeah. I'm saying maybe some, like, apathy or laziness. Yeah. is like just not being motivated. Yeah. And, uh, and I think one of the things that motivates us is the treasures in heaven, as Jesus mm. references, and also just the love of God. When mm-hmm. you see, when you witness 
the love that God has has bestowed upon all of us. And you see that sometimes most clearly when you're gathered with his people and singing hymns and, and looking at the text and, and participating in communion with one another. And that motivates, at least it does for me, and I'm sure it does for many others, motivates me to, to, to get out there and, and to do that, you know, yeah. and seeing others in need as well. But those are some, some yeah. things that might be holding us back from that. Right. Well, and we have this awesome example of Jesus, <coughs> right? Who actually had the right to say, I'm too good for that. I'm yeah. too, like actually had the right to say like, I'm better than you people. Yeah. 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 And he still chose to serve. I thought it was yeah. funny this, uh, this weekend, uh, my father-in-law's church, he's a lead pastor in Gladstone his church hosted an event and afterwards uh, he was cleaning the bathrooms and he was clean. He was cleaning all the toilets. And I was like, Bruce lead pastors don't clean toilets, which I was joking. Cause <laughs> we, we both agree that it's a, being a pastor doesn't make you too good for anything. Oh, but I was just messing around and said, lead pastors don't clean toilets. And he was like, well, here they do, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like here they do. And then I said, uh, excuse me, I have to poop. <laughs> he was like not in this toilet <laughs> that's funny which that part was just a joke but that's really funny <laughs> but yeah i mean i think like there is good like and honestly it's probably a good thing that you know every once in a while we do something that's just like a something that like doesn't feel like a pastor's job but right. you just get something done because none of us are too good to, to do any work you know yeah i think the so, so motivation for serving each other that's like serving each other is like a thing we do but we have to do it in light of an end and mm-hmm. i think paul's end is unity mm-hmm. um <coughs> and and unity is an end it's also something that like i f- a great illustration here in the northwest your garden in your backyard is on the verge of bursting with weeds like it's always going, you're <laughs> always fighting weeds in your garden. Yeah. And in the church, there are always weeds. There is always something that will get in the way of unity. And you have to constantly be working at it because mm. it's always wanting to spin out into disunity. And because of our flesh that we're in and we have a world that is working against us, and so I think as Christians, member every single member of the church, when you commit to the local church, and I'm talking to you, those of you who are listening, if you're a member of the church, you that is your like primary responsibility as a member relationally to one another is to actively cultivate unity within the relationships that you have. If you hear someone gossiping, you like handle that right away. Like you don't have to bring an elder into the conversation or a pastor or a stout. Mm. You just, you have every biblical right as a Christian to go and have a conversation with that person in love and in grace and in truth and try to bring about a reconciling result. And we should be on every level in every relationship cultivating unity Mm -hmm. because it's so easy for things to go bad. Um, and I know that I've, I've, uh, I had to have a conversation with Rob recently where in one sense I was apologizing because I've seen so much disarray in, in the church years ago, a few years ago that I, I tend to be like overly cautious Mm. and I see things 
sort of in, in one way because I've seen it so much. I've seen it go so bad. Hmm. And it, it's hard not to react to your experiences. When you see something that gives you sort of that spidey sense that maybe there's something going on over here, then, then you need to go after it. Because if, if it feels wrong, like it is wrong, like go ha- at least have a discussion. And, <clears throat> and so I think for all of us, you know, we need to be cultivating unity. And why do we want unity? Because it's a reflection of God who is one and we being one with him. I mean, this was Jesus's prayer that we would be unified as a reflection of our God who is one and and I think that that demonstrates to the world something is unique about these people. What would bring a diverse group of people to love each other in this way? They're, and they want to find out more. And then obviously, they'll, you know, through the gospel, they'll discover that it's only through Jesus that we have this relationship. So that unity is not only, is not only the shalom and the peace that we want to experience as a, as a Christian community, but that unity is a witness to the world mm. of you can also have this um, in the world. You're going to have people who are going to slander you. They're going to gossip about you. They're going to not include you. Um, it's you're going to feel alone and isolated and depressed. You're going to have all of these things in the world. And and I'm not saying every church is going to be perfect. You're going to experience those things in a in churches, too. But it should not be. And we should be that place where you experience the complete opposite that you find in the world. And and the only reason why that stuff happens in the church is because, A, every member was not intentionally pursuing that unity, and they sort of brushed things under the rug. The leaders were apathetic toward unity, and just they were no-conflict people, yep. and they didn't want to deal with conflict, and they're like, well, that's that guy's problem, or that's their problem. They can deal with it. No, it's your problem yeah. because they're your brother and sister, so you need to go help out when you can. And that was a good reminder for me. That was probably the most – I mean, all of us are going to connect with different teachings in different ways, but that's the most convicting thing that I need constant reminders of That because uh, I am really passive, and I am like everyone – I want everyone to like me, and I want everyone to feel good around me. And uh, and so th- – uh, but that was such a great point that you raised in your sermon that like unity in the church is not a lack of all conflict at all times. It is conflict that gets dealt with in a healthy way. Sure. Like that's a, you know, that is more unifying than just like people who never talk about their problems. I think, so I that's think not you what said unity that. is. You, Rob Maybe said Rob that. said it. Rob yeah. said it in his communion thought. Rob said thought, it in his communion thought. Which was good. That was yeah. a good Sorry, segue. Rob. No, I think that was in the devotional before the service. Maybe. That I nobody it, knows about. The I team heard, huddle. I heard it at some point yeah. during the morning. Before we start our services, we'll get together the and volunteers. Maybe that shows and, how unified our service right? was. We yeah. just... Yeah. I don't even know who made the great point. <laughs> but it, I mean, the it, great points were flying everywhere. I mean, yeah, I said Sunday. that. That was great. <laughs> 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 uh, you know, what's funny though is obvi- I hadn't read your your sermon or I hadn't you know heard your sermon, but I was planning to talk about in the huddle like forgiving one another, mm. 
which was what we talked about, which is mm. what you were mentioning. But it totally was like perfectly married to this whole discussion of unity between Jews and Gentiles and all Christians, really. So it was kind of interesting the way it all melted together. It seems yeah. like God might have been in control of stuff like that. So well, I mean, I felt that way with coming off the road to Emmaus. Totally. I, mean, I was like totally. not seeing that. And then it's like, wow, God, thanks for like planning that for Putting us together, yeah. we weren't that smart yeah. and uh, we weren't thinking that well. I mean, even if we were, we wouldn't have come up with that. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just kind of cool to see that God yeah. covers our our backs when we have no idea what we're doing. It makes us look good. Yeah. Like, man, they really plan out everything really well. I'm yeah. confessing right now <laughs> on the podcast. You heard it here. We, we don't. have, we have we no really idea don't. what we're doing. Well, but it's funny, like you said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. But it's funny, like you said, like these themes are going through the Bible, yeah, which is true. like a united, a united message word. from yeah. God to humanity. So like if you keep doing the Bible, yeah, teaching <laughs> your the church, Bible, yep. if you keep picking songs that are based on biblical truth in your church, like oftentimes it's going to feel like stuff yeah. fit together, you know? Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, um, I agree. But yeah, we we're, get, we're getting along. But I did think that it was a great point you made too, that Paul ends with the prayer. You talked yeah. about how important That was definitely praying, you. It wasn't me. It praying was for each that other. That was me. <laughs> someone, it was Paul actually. That's someone true. really smart in the service on Sunday <laughs> said, <laughs> like, it's hard to be at odds with people that you're like authentically praying mm. the best things for, you for know? Sure. And so like that, sure. that was a great, great point. As we talk about, you know, is it humility? Is it being left self-centered? Is it, you know, and it's a little bit of all those things. And prayer is really a great mm. first step if any of those things are the problem. If you're not humble, if you're selfish, praying for other people, like that's going to be a great first step. It's a really good application point. And well, really, like you said, Paul wrote it. And it was yeah. this sermon just teed up for you to just preach straight through, you know. Dude, it, it was super teed up. It just reminded me of that prayer in the Gospels. The, it's somewhat hyperbolic of the guy who prays, Lord, thank you that I'm not like this man, <laughs> this tax collector, sinner, right. or whatever. Yep. It's so, it's such an obviously ridiculous prayer, even in his day, mm, to yeah. pray such a prayer. Like, you wouldn't pray a prayer like that. And so it, it's it's just funny um, to think about. <laughs> but even, even the person who doesn't really have a relationship with God, uh, maybe isn't even really a mature Christian at the very least is uh would never pray like that because you don't come before God and his holiness and all of these things and pray in that way and uh it it would not be kosher and <laughs> so i think that it it is definitely a great application of like before you gossip about somebody have you talked to God about that person um or before you approach that person with something that hurt you or offended you or whatever have you prayed mm-hmm. uh for that person and for unity uh, with them and reconciliation. I mean, how is your prayer life for these people? And I think uh, you you brought up a, a good point earlier about um, how, you know, this, it, that statement, well, when you put it that way, you know, it sounds really easy. But then at the end of the day, we still don't have the power <laughs> to serve people in a pure heart and in a selfless way. Um, we still need the ministry of prayer in, in our lives to do the things that God uh, desires us to do in the way that he wants us to do it and to experience joy and peace and hope. Mm-hmm. These things have to come from God, not by our like 
great gimmicks or uh, whatever it is that we create. God mm-hmm. is yeah. ultimately the one that has to create that. And we seek him in prayer that he would that he would do that in our in our midst, in our church. Yeah. There's tons of stuff in the Bible that are so obvious, which makes it all the more obvious that we screw them up all yep. the time. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, we need the help with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the funny thing when I talk to people and they bring up like super obscure doctrines or passages of scripture. I'm like, man, that's not the hard part. The hard the hardest part about scripture are the things that are obvious. Yeah. We don't even do that stuff. And yeah, it's it's totally true. Anyway, mm-hmm. run yeah. out of time. Well, let's talk about someone who does do stuff well. <laughs> volunteer she, of the she week. She does all things volunteer well. Volunteer of the week. We are we are giving this volunteer of the week to someone who will no longer be eligible for it. For a volunteer? Well, for she could in other areas. Oh, okay, that's true. But we are giving the volunteer of the week to Rachel Newell. Rachel Newell. Who we are excited is coming on as uh, part of the children's ministry team, yep. which is awesome. So she'll be a staff person. Yep. <laughs> Rachel, Rachel is, uh, she's been around for like three and a half years, maybe close to four. Um, they were a part of a church plant in like Southeast Portland area. Then they moved to Canby and, uh, they were honestly one of the first like young couples to come to the church when, after Michelle and I got here. And, uh, I, what I would say about them Right off the bat, the thing I think about when I think about Jeremiah and Rachel is just incredibly consistent, hmm. stable <laughs> people. Mm. And those are the people yeah. you just long to have in your church. Right, great and, and they might feel like their lives are anything but stable and consistent. <laughs> With but three kids. I'm telling them, based on all of my many other ex- experiences, I'm thankful for their stability and their consistency. Um and, uh, you know, they're not easily rocked by things going on. And so I appreciate that spiritual mm-hmm. maturity yeah. and, and emotional and social maturity that they have. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm just thankful that they've been here through a lot of, uh, hard times and they've pressed in mm-hmm. and, but Rachel specifically has, um, she was a teacher. I was gonna say, I had no idea her experience that yeah. she had, the, she's got her Masters in education. She's worked in autism therapy. Yeah, right? she, her, like, she had a she had a lot of experience with special needs, and I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and something obviously any church or school would be um, looking for. And so we're thankful for her uh, gifts and skill in that yeah. in that area as well. Super cool. And so yeah, she's she's definitely qualified. She looks she is young. Um, but then when you look at her resume, you're like, wow, you have done a lot of stuff. <laughs> and, and I don't mean that to say like every year she has a new job and she's <laughs> unstable. That's not true. She's just had a lot of, uh, experience and that's, you know, any, anyway, and she has a love for the Lord and a love for mm-hmm. this church and a love for the kids and so, and the families. Yep. So she was, uh, and, and the been other d- been doing it as a volunteer yes. and now doing it as Slightly not a volunteer. Yeah. There were other <laughs> candidates that were really, really stellar. Um, yeah, because there's rad people at this church. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> there are. Yeah, we praise <laughs> praise God for that. Um, but yeah, I, I'm super excited. And she seems really excited as well. So we're happy about that. She also helps cool. with life groups, too. She does. Not yeah. just in kids. So there's volunteer, cool. other volunteers. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. Uh, so yeah, if you see Rachel Newell, tell her for the last time ever that she's a volunteer. <laughs> Congratulate her and thank her for everything she does around here. 
And it's time for Bible trivia right now. So I wanted to do a different Bible trivia, but then we talked about it too long in our staff meeting and figured out all the answers. So then it wouldn't have been fun. Oh, but yeah. Aaron did reference the shortest psalm in the Bible as our call to worship, and it's the one from the passage, right? Mm-hmm. Psalm one seventeen. Yep. Oh no! So was one hundred and seventeen. Yeah, yeah. one seventeen. Right. And so, uh, and so we were talking about the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept, uh-huh. and people always say it's a great uh, memorization. Yeah, yeah. One, but then I and people act like they have it memorized, but you don't really have it memorized unless you have the reference. Yeah, yeah. But then uh, Aaron figured out the reference really quick. But if you're playing <laughs> along at home, don't look it up in your Bible. This is the one time we'll tell you don't open your Bible. <laughs> don't open your Bible, Bible. and uh, email office at Cami Christian if you know the reference for Jesus wept without playing along. But here's the Bible trivia without lo- without looking it up. Without if looking you it, knew it. it. Yep. if you actually know it, because everyone says they have that one memorized, but you probably don't have the. And, me- and Melody will email you back a thumbs up. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be your reward. We'll tell it. All right, so here's the other one though. I have some Psalms trivia. Psalms. We had some Psalms mm. that were here. Uh, is this a pre- is this a preamble to our summer series ooh, that we'll talk about later on? Cat out of the Not bag. right now. <laughs> the summer okay. Psalms. The summer. Yeah. <laughs> summer. Um, so Psalm seventy four. Mm. Got it. Love it. You love Psalm seventy four. Actually, I was thinking of Psalm seventy three, but keep going. <laughs> uh, so uh, the verse starts out by saying, uh, "It was you who split open the sea by your power." And then it says that he broke the heads of what in the waters? Uh, I don't know. Leviathan? <laughs> no, that's Job. Uh, there's well, a there's a Leviathan reference in Psalms, isn't there? Is there? I don't know. I don't think so. Oh, there's another Bible trivia. I want to say like kings or emperors or emperors or something like that. I don't know. It's a good guess, Aaron. Uh, no idea. This is stab in the I dark. I, I don't know. You don't know. Uh, it is dragons. No, that's from yeah. the king. That's King James version. So it is Leviathan, and then no, it's uh, it's like sea monsters. Sea monsters. Yeah, sea monsters. Here's what's crazy, though. What what what? Here's what's crazy. This is Psalm, what that was. Psalm seventy four thirteen. It was you split open the sea by your power. You broke the heads of the sea monsters or the dragons, depending on which one. But seventy four. Read read Psalm seventy four verse fourteen, Aaron. You, got you it? crushed the heads of Leviathan. Leviathan. Oh! Kids, oh, that was me. I knew it. It was the very wow. next verse. That's I, I got to give it to you. I got to give it That's to you. That's so crazy that Leviathan popped into your it head. It is in the Psalms. <laughs> I told you. And you. And they let the desert animals eat the Leviathan. <laughs> yeah. That is wild. Right. Wow. That, we're going to have to save more of these. That's like uh, something at a... Tolkien or we got to save more, save more of these uh, little audio clips of Aaron's Christian. I know. <laughs> My little thing. Yeah. But so the, the sub, the sub uh, uh, quiz, Bible trivia, is the Jesus Web verse. Can you email it? And if you can, then you can say this. I knew it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh. Thank you for listening to this on Sunday episode of the Canby Christian Church podcast. 
For more information about Canby Christian Church and its ministries, visit canbychristian.org.